Welcome to Used Car News Podcast. Used Car News is your top source for fast and reliable news that car dealers can rely on for the evolving industry. Here are this month's top stories. The 2022 Detroit Auto Show returned after a two-year hiatus. An agent with the National Insurance Crime Bureau offers tips on how to de-escalate tension in the workplace. And a topsy-turvy financial market has many folks coming back to used cars. But first, we sit down with Bob McConkie, president of the McConkie Auction Group. Hello, this is Jeffrey Bellant. I'm managing editor of Used Car News, and this is our Used Car News podcast. And today we have a great guest. Um, most people in the industry know him in the auction industry. It's Bob McConkie, president of the McConkie Auction Group. Bob, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jeff. Good morning. Excellent. Good morning. And tell us again, for people who don't know you, the couple of people who don't know you, where are you guys at? So we are in the Northwest. That's our market, uh, primarily. Uh, our our uh, our main facility that uh, houses our, our staff uh, for all of our auctions is in Spokane. That's where I'm sitting today. I'm in Spokane. That's mm-hmm. kind of where uh, we got it started. We now have uh, sales in uh, Las Vegas, as well as in Seattle. Excellent. And tell us how your family, I mean, when your family got started in the uh, auction business? Well, we have a long history in the business, uh, uh, going back to my dad, who in 1954, along with three other partners, founded uh, what was South Seattle Auto Auction, now Mannheim, Seattle. And so my brother and I got involved in that business uh, in the late 70s, and uh, um, I came in in 1979 at 18 years old. Oh, my gosh. We, uh, so I've been in it a long time. We, uh, we sold our business in 1985, uh, my father did, uh, to GE Capital, and my brother and I went to work for them. Uh, I, I, uh, uh, I went down to Los Angeles as the, uh, as the GE Capital auction chain started to grow. Uh, we became involved in that. I, I moved to Los Angeles and ran what is now Mannheim, uh, Southern California Holy cow. during the 80s. And then uh, I got out of it for a while, uh, moved back to the Northwest and then uh, decided. Uh, so there's kind of a break in the generational thing where mm-hmm. in, some, in many respects, uh, I, I'm second generation. This auction is not. It is a startup from first generation, which is wow. us now moving forward. Excellent. 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 And um, and now you guys at, at, at a. A certain time now, your dad, your dad was a NAAA pioneer and all that. Now you're starting, you know, again, like you say, kind of a second, first generation auction. Over the years now, you've built that up, and now you you've kind of consolidated into McConkey Auction Group. What is McConkey Auction Group? Well, I was actually hesitant uh, to use that as the name. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. Uh, our, our marketing people felt like that was an important part of our brand, and we started. Right. It, uh, started to get a little convoluted we um uh we have uh we have had sales in different parts of the country over time we were in uh el paso texas we actually our first expansion was into tri-cities and uh which is just south of us here and then uh we went into el paso texas we went into kansas city and as we grew this kind of national brand uh, it, it became <clears throat> evident that uh, we needed a, a national presence, and so uh, it was decided that we would uh, brand around uh, the McConkie Auction Group because uh, Kansas City was the uh, was KCI and mm-hmm. Paso was EPI, and we were DAA, and 
and as we started to really look at the commercial accounts, uh, we felt like we needed a brand. And I think beyond that, uh, now that we're so much involved in uh, the internet, we actually have what we consider four auctions because we have three physical auctions in Vegas, Seattle, and Spokane, but we also have um, our eBlock app, which we call MagNow for the Northwest. And we consider that as a fourth auction. So all of those, along with our auto body centers and uh, mechanical facilities that serve uh, uh, the retail as well as the wholesale, uh, we just felt like we needed to brand it all under one uh, kind of umbrella. And so we call it MAG, um, okay. McConkie Auction Group. And you mentioned eBlock. That's one of the newer things, relatively new for you. Uh, you're part of your guys. So tell us about eBlock. So eBlock was um, uh, a relationship that uh, I started up about uh, three and a half years ago. They are out of Toronto. Uh, eBlock was a, was a, an internet auction startup that actually came out of um, a website application, uh, retail-facing websites for car dealers was what uh, e, e, e Dealer was the the original um, kind of startup, and then it, it and then it evolved in because they sensed a need up in Canada for a true online auction uh, to compete with TradeRev uh, in Canada. And so I had been in a, a long search over many many years, um, you know, including you know all of our efforts with uh, the auction pipeline and what is now Auction Edge, uh, to really, uh, for us, find and for independents in general, just to try to find uh, that true upstream or uh, uh, you know pure internet sale. So I developed a relationship with them, and uh, we started talking about a U.S. expansion. And that led us to beta test uh, in the Northwest uh, U.S. expansion uh, uh, that uh, started in the Northwest, and then uh, through a partnership that I had with what is called what was called ABS Auctions, uh, ABS Auto Auctions in Los Angeles, uh, we've expanded to the West Coast, and uh, now we're uh, expanding through both acquisition and through uh, pure online, uh, you know, expansion in different parts of the country in the U.S. And so. It's been it's been great for us. We we in the Northwest uh, have our own territory, uh, which is Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, with eBlock that we brand as MagNow under our own management, and uh, it's been great for us. We're um, we're selling you know 150 to 200 cars every week on the site right now. Those are these are all cars that uh, for me uh, are really incremental business. We're finding that uh, the dealers that are really committed to digital are committed to digital and based on the relationship that we have had with them and the reputation we have with them, uh, they tend to choose our digital platform other, other, over others. And so it's been, it's been great. I serve on the board uh, of eBlock. And so I'm very much involved in the, the strategy beyond what goes on in the Northwest. And uh, it's been, um, it's, it's, it's just been great for me to, to, I spent a long time trying to figure out what to do. Now I know what, uh, now I know how what I'm going to do. Now I just got to figure out, you know, how to do it. But I found my my partnership and I found my tool. And now it's just a matter of expanding it. We all know digital is here to stay and continuing to evolve. And we feel like for us to stay um, relevant and, um, you know, to, to really be relevant, not only to the national community uh, of remarketers, but to the dealers that uh, the digital platform is huge for us. So uh, we're we're all in on it, and we feel like meeting the customer where they're at 
is uh, what we're really all about. And we don't just say it, we mean it. So we don't really care how we sell a car. Uh, we're finding that um, uh, introducing the digital platform to people, getting some cars sold on that, and then uh, the, and then transitioning them to the auction, uh, really, truly, uh, for the dealers, an upstream uh, program uh, that follows suit right down to the auction uh, to make sure that we, you know, offer all the different options to get a car sold. It's working good for us, Jeff. Yeah, especially being on the West Coast here, you you obviously introduce yourselves to a lot of other people. I think that's been the big thing for digital is that, you know, auctions. I was just talking to um, Jake Gertz over in Montana, and you're kind of isolated out there. And, and so to be able to connect with people way outside your market is good. Um, I want to ask you about that. I'm glad you brought that up. I was thinking about um, Auction Edge. You guys were way ahead of the game. So when the pandemic hit, when people were shut down, you're on the West Coast. So I assume you guys had some strict uh, lockdowns you were still were able to, you were ready to sell online. You're already selling online. How did that work out? So we, um, you're right in, in the state of Washington, uh, which was really unique beyond almost any other state. Uh, we were, uh, auto, auto in general, retail and wholesale was deemed as non-essential. Uh, so for the wow. first 90 days, yeah, we had, um, you know, we're 30 miles from Idaho and we had Idaho, uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho dealers selling cars like crazy. A lot of them to Washington dealers and um, the Washington dealers were shut down and in fact, fined if they were, uh, you know, basically caught selling a car. So it was really, really onerous for us. So we were, uh, we were literally closed. Um, All we did is hire essential staff to take in inventory. As you know, everybody thought the world was going to end. So they all turned back their rental cars, right, all, right. All cars. And so our, our inventory swelled and we couldn't sell. So we, we, we went to maximum capacity uh, over, you know, the first 90 days. And then when we were uh, deemed that we were essential, uh, it came with restrictions. It said we couldn't have more, we couldn't gather inside at all. We couldn't have more than 25 people gather anywhere for anything. And so um, we, basically uh, just went completely online. Uh, a combination of eBlock, which was brand new at the time and not really getting a lot of traction. And through our simulcast uh, platform, uh, we did what um, we did what a lot of, uh, basically what Mannheim and Odessa did, we did. We were forced to do it. It wasn't a choice for us, but uh, we spent 12 months um, before we were able to invite uh, dealers into the lane. So for 12 months, we basically um, put cars, you know, inspected cars, had auctioneers, very eerie, just an auctioneer and a clerk and nobody else around and just setting the cars in low and letting people bid on them. And um, as the market took off, you know, we sold uh, between uh, Las Vegas, never completely shut down, but Seattle and Spokane, uh, between Seattle and Spokane, we sold over 50,000 cars um without a dealer in the lane or uh, a car running through the lane for 12 months and we were uh, our customers um, understood what we were up against we didn't lose any customers we didn't lose any fleet business uh we had uh really massive sales we had we had sales uh in the height of the market upswing uh that were in the 90s uh, as far as percentage you talk about conversion rate we had we had several sales above 90 percent uh 
completely online with nothing but uh you know the internet just going nuts and you know you couldn't do what you do normally as an auctioneer you just had to set them in low and let them bid and the market was rising so quickly that we just reached floor and we got everything sold it was the most dramatic thing i've ever seen i hope we never see it again right but, uh you know when when we were shut down i really wondered if this was it you know i uh we had 480 people on staff uh we laid off 450 of them made sure they all got unemployment Mm -hmm. uh, we uh, ensured them that they would come back and and we got them all back eventually when we opened up. But for for 90 to 120 days, uh, wow. we basically ran on a skeleton crew and then started hiring people back. And um, like I said, it was uh, I, th I thought the world was going to end. I think a lot of people did. And then when the market lit up, I don't think anybody would have predicted what would have happened in the market. It was a perfect storm. No, sir. That's right. That's true. You know, it's, it's funny you talk about the um, that kind of uh, small opening. I was talking to David all over at North Bay and it hadn't it didn't even hit me that he had kind of the same situation there in California where they're like they opened him up and they said, we'll allow you 50 people. And yeah. he's like, do I open up and tell half my bidders that they can't come? I mean, how do you choose that? So he did the same thing where he basically said, we'll just not open up until we can let people in. I would not open up physically until we can let people in. So that that's a challenge for sure. Yeah. And now, um, so, you, you know, you talk about the, the digital and you have, you have your three sons, correct? That are involved in the business. Yep, I do. And what, what are their roles? So, you know, the, uh, uh, we are a family business, but uh, we also, um, you know, you, you, you learn over time. We, I, I've, I've had the goal since the beginning that if it was their choice that they would come into the business. And, um, and so I was kind of in many respects uh, robbed of a secondary education, 1980s when I came into the business. Uh, it was based on the fact that uh, our business was really in trouble. If you remember, you know, 21% interest and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, our, our little auction was in trouble. So I was, I was really, um, in many respects, just asked that, hey, now's the time to come into the business. And so I did with my kids, uh, even though I started talking to them about it uh, when they were young, I always prefaced it that it was their choice. I told them, you know, uh, this is a great way uh, to make a living. It's a great way to serve the community, um, but you can do whatever you want. The only thing you can't do is, you know, be a ski instructor in Vail and have me send you money to supplement. That's the <laughs> only thing you can't do. Other than that, you know, whatever you want to do, you do it. And um, so they they all went through college and then they, uh, which was part of the deal was to uh, really go out and build a resume outside of uh, the business and, and, and think about whether or not they wanted to get in the business. So it was a real process. Um, wow. One of my sons uh, was a uh, worship leader and he uh, was an executive pastor for a church for a while. One of my sons was in human resources for Nordstrom's and one of my sons was in uh, search engine optimization for Bing, uh, part of Microsoft. <laughs> Holy cow! No, what do they need McConkie Auction Group for? Right? <laughs> well, they all they all went they all went uh, through a process uh, of of I think you know gaining self esteem and confidence that they could uh, you know build a resume and 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 do well, and then uh, slowly they 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 all started to come back in uh, to the business. Aaron, my oldest son, uh, spent a decade with Auction Edge. He was 
head right. of project for Auction Edge until just recently when he came to work for us a couple of years ago. Um, he is now, we have a lot of internal uh, um, uh, technology that we develop to integrate with the technology that we uh, utilize from vendors. And we build our own uh, CRM products and we build a lot of integrations um, and reporting um, for ourselves internally. And he leads that. Um, yeah. He's really a good technologist and he leads that entire uh, part of the organization. And um, my middle son, Brian, uh, Brian is uh, basically, we have, like, as I mentioned, we have four auctions. We, we, one of them is MagNow, which is our eBlock application. And he is, in essence, he's the general manager for our digital product uh, of eBlock. And so he manages that system. Uh, my youngest son, Colin, is uh, the general manager of the auction here in Spokane. So two of the kids live in Seattle. Uh, one of them uh, manages uh, the Spokane location. And David Pendergraf, who I think you know, yeah. uh, is, you know, he um, he is the the COO. And so the way we're structured is basically that um, we don't want to be this dysfunctional family business. We want to be a real business and we know what our roles are. And so um, at this point, um, David reports to our family on uh, the corporate matters, but on the day-to-day, -day, um, my my kids report to David. David uh, runs the business and reports to me. Mm -hmm. And this is all done very, very specifically and intentionally and, and completely aligned with uh, what the skill sets are and what the maturation rate of my kids is. And, um, and it's well beyond just the three sons and David. We have an entire slew of um, you know, 30 somethings uh, that um, secession planning has probably been the biggest uh, agenda item for me over the last, you know, seven to 10 years. I've been adamant that we really do want to, you know, if you don't have a plan, then it normally won't work out. And, um, and we, we didn't want to be in a position where uh, we were in a position where if I wasn't around that the business uh, would need to be sold or wouldn't be successful. So right. I'm really working on this. Um, for for years and years and years, so we're in a process of of uh, our the the really strong legacy people that have been with me for thirty years are transitioning out over time, and this whole new slew of people are coming in with great ideas, fresh perspective, uh, aggressive ways of of how to approach the business, blended with the legacy people that are fully on board. Uh, so it's been very intentional, and the kids are a big part of it, but they're not all of it. It's it's really um, it's about the next generation in a much broader swath than just my kids. Wow, that is great. That is a great story. And it's great that your kids got all these skills and talents and now they can use them in the business. That's excellent. <clears throat> um, and then, you know, one of the big things that everybody knows, not to, not to get bring it way down, one of the big um, things that everybody knows about DA Northwest is your famous rock and roll sale that you have every summer. Um, how did that get started? Because everybody knows about it. And well, it it uh, it started. So we uh, we started in Spokane on five acres. Uh, we never really had, you know. I didn't. Uh, everybody asked, "How did you do this?" And I always say, "I have no idea how it happened. Uh, how we got big, where we can sell fifty thousand cars in Spokane, you know." And, <laughs> and, and but uh, we started on five acres with nine employees, and uh, we. 
uh, we started to grow and we felt like we were onto something. We uh, expanded our rented facility uh, to 12 acres uh, in 1994, and we continued to grow. And in 95, and uh, I, I decided that um, it looked as if uh, Greg Mayhew was my partner at the time. We really looked at it and said, we think we've got something here that we can, that, but we need a facility. Uh, we were, we, we, we were really just in a little barn. And so um, we went out and we bought land. Uh, we started, we bought 60 acres. We started, we developed 21 acres. We developed a five lane facility with a recon shop and we, we built what is still today uh, DAA Northwest. Um, and when we did that, we knew that we needed to, uh, as part of our grand opening, that we needed to do something really unique to let people know that we were here. And so, um, you know, promotions have always been part of our DNA. And so we we started to scratch our head and think about what we could do that would really be radical. And so we decided we would have a concert for our grand opening and that it would be a one-time deal. It never had any um, potential in my <laughs> mind to go beyond one time. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, we, we announced that Jerry Lee Lewis is going to be in Spokane at DAA Northwest on uh, you know, a Wednesday night uh, to throw a party to commemorate this new facility. Come check out the facility. Have a great time. And, you know, we had probably, I, I bet we had six, seven hundred people show up and Jerry Lee Lewis performed. Uh, and what happened was, you know, we were we were running, you know, probably six, 700 cars a week at the time at the most. And all of a sudden, you know, we had 1500 cars show up and then we had all these people show up and we're having just this amazing sale. And as I'm walking through the lanes, uh, talking to customers, uh, so many of them said, that was amazing last night. Who are you going to have next year? And then somebody else, who are you going to have next year? And then I, you know, I'm not really sharp, but when 10 people ask you who you're going to have next year and you're having a 70% sale with triple your normal volume, you start thinking, maybe I ought to do this next year. And so yes, Bob is genius. Yeah, Bob's genius. Yeah. Got hit in the head with it enough times where it's like, okay, uh, I think we got to do this next year. And so we did. And it got bigger. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis uh, was our first one, and then we came right back with Chuck Berry. So oh, we, nice. uh, we, you know, and now here we are, uh, twenty six years into it or whatever, and and uh, it has become quite an event. And we've always known about promotions. Uh, promotions have been a part of our DNA. Uh, the the moose sale that was started at South Seattle Auto Auction by my dad had, was kind of the original promotion uh, that really did bring some volume uh, in in the old days. To it was always the biggest sale of the year for. What was the moose sale? So the moose sale, the original promotion, nineteen fifty four. My dad, my dad loved to hunt, and it was his first year in business, and uh, he got the idea that if he uh, went up and shot a moose. Um, and he fed part of it to the dealers that he could write it off. And so <laughs> he did. And, uh, and a bunch more cars showed up and everybody thought it was great. It's like, let, let's serve moose to the dealers. And we've been doing it ever since. And so that was, that was the original, that was the original promotion. And, and then we started to build on that. And we've always known that, uh, auctions do promotions, 
And in many cases, what happens is they, they make a big splash. They don't ramp up for it. Uh, they create a bad customer experience because they've got too many cars and too many people and, and, and they're not prepared. And everybody, you know, says that comes, you know, I'll never go to their promotion again. I'll never do that again. It was a miserable experience. So we've always known that in order to do this, that you have to uh, really ramp up uh, to create a great experience for the customer while you have more volume. And that's been our secret all along. And uh, we have used our promotion events, our promotional events we've used over the years to really build on our volume. When we um, had our first moose sale in 1993, uh, you know, our volume doubled. And, um, and then we said, okay, if we can, you know, run 800 cars once, then we can run 800 cars every week. We know 800 oh, cars yeah. are out there. And so uh, we developed these promotions to kind of create new benchmarks for what our volume can be. And that's how we've done it for 30 years. And, and even before that with my dad. The 2022 Detroit Auto Show returned to the Motor City after a two-year pandemic hiatus and offered a new indoor-outdoor experience. The show moved from a traditional January event to September to take advantage of the city's waterfront and other attractions. The new-look show had plenty of internal combustion muscle along with state-of-the-art electric vehicles. The indoor show offered chances to drive on the Camp Jeep test track. The experience took drivers slowly through a course where they drove through various off-road features such as sideways up an embankment, then over a couple of other obstacles, and then up and down a roller coaster steep hill at a 45-degree angle. Bronco Mountain was a Ford ride-and-drive experience which allowed attendees to drive either a Bronco, Mach-E, or Lightning, depending on where they stood in the queue. There was also a separate Ford F-150 Lightning ride offering. In another part of the exhibit, an off-road display featured T-Rex, Velociraptor, and Stegosaurus dinosaurs. More than 80 dinosaurs, some more than 28 feet tall, helped draw attention at the event. The exhibit also offered a chance to see the car featured in the Flintstones movie based on the classic cartoon. An agent with the National Insurance Crime Bureau said simple verbal de-escalation techniques can prevent miscommunication, discontent, or violence in the workplace. Gus Hitz, who spoke at the National Auto Auction Association Convention and Expo here, spent 26 years in law enforcement before joining the NICB. As a supervisory special agent, Hitz's territory includes Nebraska, Iowa, and South Dakota. He works auto theft and insurance fraud cases with law enforcement. Hitz has also taught classes to law enforcement. One of the classes he taught to law enforcement was overcoming verbal non-compliance and de-escalating situations. The key is how to communicate with someone, even if they're really upset, and get them to a place where they can accept it and move on. Looking for nonverbal behavior showing tension is important, especially things like change in the tone of voice. Nonverbal cues that are also important are signs of drug or alcohol use, such as noting the scent of alcohol on the person. Experian's State of the Automotive Financial Market Q2 showed some interesting trends ranging from used loan values and terms to shifting patterns by consumers trying to find financing for the right vehicle. 
Melinda Zabritsky, Experience Director of Product Management, said the report showed that consumers are shifting back to finance used cars at increasing rates. In other words, they're moving from new to used. Zabritsky said leading up to the pandemic, Experience saw a definite shift in prime and super prime consumers who were increasingly purchasing used vehicles and moving away from new vehicles. It was only in the last quarter, Q2 this year, that Experience saw a return to used cars from prime and super prime consumers. Sometimes those purchases also could be adding a vehicle to the family or buying a car for a child who's going away to school. Experience shows the average used loan amount ranges from $20,311 in the deep subprime category up to more than $30,000 in the prime. Thanks for listening to Used Car News Podcast. Each month we'll bring you fast and reliable news that car dealers can rely on for this evolving industry. For a free subscription to Used Car News, please visit usedcarnews.com. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Make sure to share us on social media and like and follow wherever you get your podcast. Darren Sutherland, Executive Producer. Jacob Sutherland, Director. Producers Jason Gentarola and Matt Golden. All rights reserved.